The Terry and Jesse Show, my partner, is out doing some apostolic work. This is the Holy Hour of Power. High-energy Catholic radio, not low-energy Catholic radio. We engage the culture of death here with prayer, fasting, speaking the truth in charity, and full-contact Catholicism. Our program is not right versus left. It is right versus wrong. Just a reminder, the month of May is dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary, our Queen Mother, the Virgin Most Powerful, our, uh, our, our general in the battle. <clears throat> remember, remember the month of May. Uh, don't forget, reignite your Marian devotion by wearing Marian sacramentals, consecrating yourself <clears throat> to the bronze scapular, having been vested by a priest, saying the daily rosary, doing the, uh, the 12 noon Angelus. Uh, and so well, right now we're doing uh, the, uh, <clears throat> the prayer to our... our uh, Generally, throughout the year, we do the 12 noon Angelus, 6 a.m., uh, 12 noon, and 6 p.m. But right now, right before Pentecost, the prayer that we do is called the Queen of Heaven. Very beautiful prayer. It talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that's the prayer that we're doing right now in lieu of the Angelus until, until Pentecost Sunday. Just want to remind you that... Um, Father Ripperger's having a mother-daughter retreat, uh, also a, a father-son retreat. It's on the website, Virgin Most Powerful Radio's website, front page. Also, Kyle Clement, his, uh, his right-hand man, is having a reclamation theology retreat, June 12th to June 17th. If you want more information on that, go to libercristo.org, libercristo.org, or it's on the VMPR webpage. Also, after this show, I'm taking off. I'm flying over to Northern California. I'm going to be speaking at a men's conference, the 7th Annual uh, Catholic Men's Conference into the breach at St. Mary's Catholic Church in Oakdale, California. I will be there with Doug Berry and my brother in Christ, John Sablon, who's uh, who's from Guam. Uh, I think you say Guamanese. He's a, a he's Guamanese, uh, young, passionate Catholic evangelist, totally Orthodox. And uh, those of you men in southern in Northern California, we'd love to see you there this Saturday. Gu- uh, Guamanian. I was just corrected by my engineer. Guamanian. Okay. Hey, let me give you some soul food. Every single day we try to give you the gospel of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Today's gospel is John chapter 15, verses 12 to 17. Jesus said to his disciples, <clears throat> This is my commandment. Love one another as I love you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. By the way, if you want to see what that looks like, just look at a crucifix. Our Lord says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you slaves because a slave does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have told you everything I have heard from my father. It was not you who chose me, but I who chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will remain so that whatever you ask the the Father in my name, he may give you. This I command you, love one another. The gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. A couple of things that jump out at me there. Verse 13, where our Lord says, greater love, uh, greater love, than this, no no one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. This 
when you look at a crucifix and what Christ did for this sinful world, myself included, that's the fullest expression of love. The fullest expression of love consists in pouring out your life to God as Jesus Christ did on the cross. And when you can do that for especially your spouse and your family, there is no greater love than this. We would call that agape love. Also, verse 14 jumps out at me where our Lord says, uh, he says, I no longer call you slaves because a slave does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends. Friends. Aristotle said that a friend is another self. In this verse, you see that the promise of intimacy with Jesus is conditional because it can be fulfilled only if we commit ourselves to his teachings. Also, that verse is very powerful because I remember I was talking to a Muslim one day, a young Muslim cab driver, and uh, he, he was driving me from Los Angeles to Long Beach, and I started sharing uh, my faith in Jesus Christ. He was a fallen away Catholic who embraced Islam. And I told him, do you realize that Islam calls you a slave of Allah, where the God in Christianity called you a friend? I said, think about that. You were born a friend as a, as a baptized Catholic Christian, and now you're a slave you're an indentured servant now that you've embraced Islam. We had about a 20-minute conversation. By the time we finished and he dropped me off at the Long Beach Marriott, he, he had tears on his eyes. He goes, I have never heard it explained that way. I didn't realize I went from, from sonship to slavery. I said, yeah, but you can come back. And I remember he had asked me as I, as I got off the Uber, he said, Mr. Romero, can you pray for me? And I did. I took my St. Benedict's medal that I have around my, my neck. I put my St. Benedict's medal on his chest. He was a big kid, like six foot three, six foot four, athlete, big old kid, uh, European kid. I put my St. Benedict's medal on, upon his heart, touched his heart, and I just prayed uh, the soul of Christ prayer. Soul of Christ, sanctify him. Body of Christ, save him. Blood of Christ, inebriate him. He was weeping as I was praying because you could see that he was receiving the prayers. You could see his Catholic sensibilities were triggered, and he was receiving the prayer. So uh, I don't know where he's at now, but I, hopefully he's made his way back to the church. Also in today's passage, the promise is, uh, it was not you who chose me, but I who chose you. As Catholics, we believe in predestination, not as John Calvin or as the Muslims teach. They believe in double predestination. We believe in predestination, but it's a limited predestination as Catholics. We believe that there is a synergism between the human person, our soul called free will, and there's also uh, that dance, as Peter Krebs said, the dance with God. He says we also believe in God's providence. So it's God's divine providence and our free will. There's kind of a dance. There's a synergism. And, uh, and so we do believe in predestination, but not, a, but not a double predestination where the human being has no exercise of his free will because we see in today's passage, it was not you who chose me, but I who chose you. In other words, God chooses us first and then we respond. But we must respond because God doesn't force his love on anybody. The last part of today's verse is where it says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will give to you. Remember, let's ask whatever we're going to ask for. Let's ask in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Couple uh, Today's the feast day of St. Bernardine of Siena. St. Bernardine of Siena. He's called, uh, you know, the, the, he's called, uh, he, he preached over 30,000 open-air sermons. Can you imagine? No internet, no radio, no podcast. 
He promoted devotion to the holy name of Jesus. He, uh, he entered the Franciscans in 1402. He died in 1444. There was one time where they say he preached for 50 days straight in his hometown in the Republic of Siena, um, St. Bernardine of Siena. He was known for this very famous phrase. He says, he says, the name of Jesus is the glory of preachers. I'll say that again. The name of Jesus is the glory of preachers. St. Bernardine of Siena, pray for us. A <clears throat> couple of items on the need to know file. Abortion extremists are threatening terrorism. Yep, watch your six. Pro-abortion extremists have reportedly threatened to burn down the Supreme Court and murder justices, according to a Department of Homeland Security memo. The memo obtained by Axios revealed that law enforcement officials are investigating such threats and others, including some that target churches. Uh, Brian Birch from Catholic Vote, the president of Catholic Vote, says, we have already entered a new era of extreme religious bigotry and anti-Catholicism in the U.S., perhaps worse than anything we've seen in the history of this country. Another need-to-know item. The Democrats are polling, uh, are polling poorly. According to internal Democratic polling, the generic Republican can be expected to beat the generic Democrat by 8 points, 47 to 80, 39, in the upcoming midterm congressional elections. People are not happy around the country, both sides of the aisle. Uh, given that Democrats generally have a three or four point built in advantage on the generic ballot, this is a particularly concerning development for Speaker uh, Fake Catholic Nancy Pelosi's majority, as reported by the Punchbowl News. Also, need to know file New York Times reports mass public school exodus. Yep, the New York Times this week reported a seismic hit on the public education system with at least 1.2 million students leaving public schools since 2020. Some parents became so fed up with remote instruction or mass mandates that they started homeschooling their children or sending them to private or parochial schools that largely remained open during the pandemic, according to the experts who spoke to the New York Times. Well, again, uh, we'll be talking about in the next couple of uh, segments, I want to talk to you about who is behind the culture of death? Who is behind the culture? We know Satan is ultimately behind the culture of death, but Satan uses human individuals. Who are the players behind the culture of death? I think you're going to be very, very surprised uh, when you hear the evidence that I'm going to present. Also, I want to talk a little bit about the power of the Shroud of Turin. The Shroud of Turin, most people don't realize when you study the Shroud of Turin, it is the it is the physical evidence of Jesus Christ of Nazareth's resurrection. So we want to talk about the evidence of Jesus' resurrection based on the Shroud of Turin. My name is Jesse Romero. After the show, I'll be flying to Northern California, St. Mary's Catholic Church in Oakdale to participate in the seventh annual men's conference with Doug Berry and John Sablon. Okay, don't change that dial. We'll be right back. Stick around. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. The Terry and Jesse Show. I find it a breath of fresh air that Elon Musk, he put out a tweet yesterday, and the tweet says this, quote, 
In the past, I voted Democrat because they were mostly the kindness party. But they have become the party of division and hate. So I can no longer support them and will vote Republican. Now watch their dirty tricks campaign against me unfold. Uh, uh, well, all I can tell is uh, Elon Musk seems to be a fellow traveler at this point. He's, uh, his eyes are fully open and he's seen the culture of death. And who's behind the culture of death? He's seen it for what it is. Speaking of the culture of death, you know that the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, Yuval Harari, specifically Klaus Schwab has said, by 2030, uh, you will own nothing and you will be happy. How do they plan on doing this? Who will eventually own everything, including you, if they can? Well, the vast majority of the world's assets are owned by just two investment firms. Remember these names. BlackRock and Vanguard. Combined, they have ownership in nearly 90% of all S&P 500 firms. And through their investment holdings, they, they secretly wield monopoly, con, monopoly and control over all industries. By now, you, you, you may be familiar with the World Economic Forum slogan, by Klaus Schwab, he says, by 2030, you will own nothing and you will be happy, close quote. To that end, BlackRock and Vanguard, these firms are buying up every single family home that they can find and making cash offers of 20 to 50% above the asking price. Buying a home, think about it, it's been part of the American dream since the founding of this country. It's also a Catholic social principle, uh, the right to have private property. It's been a significant part of the financial success, security, and freedom. In fact, George Washington declared that private property and freedom are inseparable. Now, lower to middle class Americans are being intentionally positioned to become permanent renters, which means they cannot build equity. This is wealth redistribution from the low and middle class to the upper and it's in line with the plans for societal reorganization described under banners such as the Great Reset or Build Back Better or Agenda 21 and the 2030 Agenda agenda for Sustainable Development, whatever name you want to call it. This is all part of the globalist plan. These agendas all work together towards the same goal, which is a global monopoly on ownership and wealth with a clear separation of the haves and have-nots the owners and the owned, the rulers and the ruled, the elite and the serfs. By the way, from a Catholic point of view, this is the perfect ingredients to usher in the Antichrist, the man of sin, the son of perdition, the man of lawlessness, uh, who would step into this redistribution of wealth in a one-world government. Uh, you can watch a video, it's called, it's a 45-minute video, it's called Monopoly, Follow the Money, this video provides a comprehensive overview of who really owns the world. And as it turns out, the vast majority of the world's assets are owned by just two investment firms, BlackRock and Vanguard Group. If you go to the show page, vmpr.org, you can get the link if you want to watch the video. Or go to my show page, jesseromero.com. You can get the link on the show notes and you can watch the video. But BlackRock and Vanguard combined, they have ownership in nearly 90% of all the S&P 500 firms, and through their investment holdings, they secretly wield monopoly control over all industries. In short, 
the idea that there's competition in the marketplace is a clever illusion. BlackRock is buying up homes like crazy. By now, you may be familiar, again, with the World Economic Forum. Okay? By 2030, you'll, have, you'll own nothing and be happy. To that end, BlackRock and other investment firms are currently buying up every single family home they can find, making cash offers of 20 to 50% above asking price. Depending on where you live, you may have noticed that the homes are selling within hours of being listed, making house hunting nearly impossible. Home buyers in the state of Florida are certainly experiencing this phenomenon, same with Arizona. Investment firms are also buying up entire neighborhoods. As just one example I can give you, an 124-home neighborhood in Conroy, Texas, was bought for $32 million, 20% above listing by Fundrise LLC, a real estate crowdfunding company, which then turned around and made all the homes into single-family rentals. There's a war against private property in this country. And this war is being initiated by Satan through the globalist. Because again, your home is your castle and a home provides you some sense of security. Buying a home has been part of the American dream since the founding of this country. It's, it's been a significant part of financial success and security. Now, lower to middle class Americans are being intentionally positioned to become permanent renters, which means they cannot build equity. So their ability to purchase a home, even if they can't afford it, is being stripped from them by companies that can outbid them with cash offers. In a recent episode of 60 Minutes, Leslie Stahl actually did a good job exposing why home prices are going through the roof. It's not just that these investment companies can snap up homes with the click of a button, but they're also artificially driving up prices of both homes and rents. For example, rents in Jacksonville, Florida rose an average of 31% in 2021, and Austin, Texas, saw rents jump by 40%. The reason appears to be twofold. We're not building enough housing, and what's being built is being, is being bought by corporate landlords at above market prices. Corporate real estate investors don't even look at the homes they're bidding on, and typically naive inspections, the home can be in any shape and sell within hours. As, as uh, Leslie Stahl says, she, she says, this puts first-time home buyers at a serious disadvantage as they have many hoops to jump bef- through before they can secure a loan and close the deal. So what's behind all this? Well, this is the great reset, the build back better. This is wealth redistribution. And it ain't rich people's wealth that's getting redistributed. It's normal American middle class, salt of the earth, wealth heading into the hands of the world's most powerful entities and individuals. The traditional financial vehicle is gone forever. Home equity is the main financial element that middle class families use to build wealth. And BlackRock, a Federal Federal Reserve funded financial institution, is buying up all the houses to make sure that young families can't build wealth. This is a fundamental reorganization of society. Indeed, and it's right in line with plans for societal reorganization described under banners such as the Great Reset, Build Back Better, Agenda 21, and the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. These agendas 
all work together towards the same goal, which is a global monopoly on ownership and wealth where the clear separation of the haves and have-nots, the owners and the owned, the rulers and the ruled, the elite and the serfs. Sustainable development agenda is a plan to enslave us by the globalists, by the Great Reset people, by the Build Back Better people. The war against private property goes back decades. In fact, in 1976, during the first United Nations Conference on Human Settlements called Habitat One, the United Nations stated in item 10.9 the following quote, Land cannot be treated as an ordinary asset controlled by individuals and subject to pressures to the pressures and inefficiencies of the market. Private land ownership is also a principal instrument of, of accumulation and concentration of wealth and therefore contributes to social injustice. Did you hear what the United Nations has said? Private land ownership is also a principal instrument of accumulation and concentration of wealth and therefore contributes to social injustice. The United Nations, no friend of the Catholic Church, no friend of, of freedom, they, they write in their, in their agenda item 10.9, if private ownership is un if left unchecked, it may become a major obstacle in the planning and implementation of development schemes. Public control of land use is therefore indispensable. Close quote. So what do we see here? The idea, apparently, is that private investment firms like Vanguard and BlackRock can prevent social injustice by buying up all the private property and renting it out. This way, no one, except of course the investors, except of course the elite, can build wealth. This is the move towards communism, in case you're wondering where we're, where we're headed. George Washington once said that private property and freedom are indispensable. The United Nations Human Settlements Agenda, called Agenda 21, and the 2030 Sustainable Development Agenda are in direct conflict with the U.S. Bill of Rights and the founding principles of this great country. George Washington declared, I'll repeat it, quote, private property and freedom are inseparable. Similarly, John Adams, the second president of this country, stated the following, property must be secure or liberty cannot exist. Close quote. By the way, this is also a principle of Catholic social teaching, the right to own property. In 1992, at the Earth Summit, under the Secretary General of the Convention on Climate Change and Executive Director of the UN Environment Program, Maurice Strong stated the following quote, Current lifestyles and consumption patterns of the affluent middle class involving high meat intake, consumption of large amounts of frozen and convenience foods, use of fossil fuels, appliances, home and workplace air conditioning, and suburban housing are not sustainable. Did you hear that? These globalists not only want to control what we say and what we think by canceling us, 
They also want to control how we live for the short time that we're going to be here on planet Earth. They don't want anybody to eat meat. They want to get rid of gasoline, fossil fuels. They want all of us to buy electric cars. They don't want us to own houses. They want us all to become renters. And and again, they think that the middle class, they think that we're affluent. They think that the middle class are a bunch of meat eaters. And so they have to step in and make sure that they feed us uh, soybean instead of red meat. My name is Jesse Romero. Remember, I invite you to the men's conference tomorrow all day with myself, Doug Berry, John Sablon, 7th Annual Men's Conference, St. Mary's Catholic Church, Oakdale, California, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Go to worldablaze.org, worldablaze.org to sign up. Sign up your son, sign up your father, sign up your husband. See you there. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. My partner Terry is out there doing some apostolic work. The man never ceases to labor in the Lord's vineyard. I'm talking about the globalist, the Great Reset, the Build Back Better crowd, uh, these uh these Marxist monsters that run the country. We used to call them Democrats. Now they're, uh, you know, they, they uh, appeal to the philosophy of Karl Marx more than anything else, more than John F. Kennedy. We're talking about BlackRock and Vanguard. These are two investment firms that are basically trying to buy everything. Why? Well, they believe that people shouldn't have private property. They believe that, you know, only the rich and famous only the elites should have private property. They don't believe that the middle class, they look at us as a bunch of meat eaters. They believe we should become permanent renters and live under the thumb of these, uh, of these elites, these globalists. In the United Nations Human Settlement Agenda called Agenda 21, and you can watch the video, it's, it's on the show notes if you go to vmpr.org or jesseromero.com, you can look at the video on the show notes. Agenda 21 doesn't stop at restricting private home and land ownership. It also includes a few other things. The United Nations Agenda 21 includes, number one, seizure of private property. Did you hear what I said? Seizure. That means taking your private property by force. Number two, forbidding human access to land. Number three, relocation of people from rural areas to cities. They want us all to live in the city, high crime areas. Number four, additional taxation, more taxes. Number five, water use restrictions. Number six, restricting the amount of waste you're allowed to produce. Seven, forced community involvement. Involvement in what? I wonder. And eight, manipulation of transportation patterns and increasing gas prices to restrict travel all in the name of saving the earth. So in short, these global elites, the Great Reset, the Build Back Better crowd, they want you to believe that the only way to save the planet is for you to be, is to be their slave. It's a tragic, ultimate outcome for sure. And if these globalists are successful, 
virtually all of your constitutional rights and freedoms will be eliminated in the, uh, under the guise of saving the earth. Did you know that many of the farmlands are being purchased by Bill Gates? Yeah. Bill Gates is now one of the largest private owners of U.S. farmland, and he also wields unrivaled power over global food policy, as detailed in the AGRA Watch Report. There was, a, there was an article called The Man Behind the Curtain, the Gates Foundation Influences on the United Nations Food Systems Summit. So while, while Bill Gates is just one man, his clout is significantly leveraged and magnified by the fact that he funds such a large number of companies and organizations that they do his bidding on the sly. And when you see long lists of groups, you automatically think there are many players in the game when in fact Gates is the singular thread running through most or all of these companies and organizations. An example. Examples include the funding of the development of genetically engineered GE foods designed to be higher in certain nutrients. The problem is that these crops then end up replacing local diversity with just a few GE varieties that don't even take local conditions into account. So by pushing for fortified crop varieties, malnutrition actually deepens as biodiversity is reduced. Secondly, a stubborn focus on yield is at odds with research showing that low yield or insufficient production is not causing world hunger. There's an ample evidence today that the problem instead is poverty and lack of access, which is deepened by destruction of local food systems and commercialization of food. That's exactly what's happening right now. Gates is also invested in the synthetic beef industry. And not surprisingly, he's been called on Western, he's been calling on Western nations to transition to a 100% fake beef diet, all in the name of saving the environment, of course. It's the same argument pushed by Agenda 21 and the rest of the sustainable development schemes. You also see that the media and medicine are completely controlled at this point. The mainstream media and the pharmaceutical industry are two other important areas that have been taken over by a monopoly-centered deep state. Both industries are overwhelmingly owned by BlackRock and Vanguard, so to think that the mainstream media will report on the truth is foolhardy, to say the least, especially as it pertains to health and medicine. The World Health Organization's pandemic treaty is perhaps the greatest threat we face so far and will go a long way towards implementing the Great Reset. <clears throat> Dr. Mercola writes, he says this, as I noted in March 2022, uh, he says in an article that he wrote, he says, the pandemic treaty is a direct threat to a nation's sovereignty to make decisions for itself and its citizens and will erode democracy everywhere if enacted. There is simply no question that this treaty is part of the globalist plan to monopolize health systems worldwide and a way for them to force mandatory vaccinations, vaccine passports, and digital identities on the uncooperative masses. The good doctor writes, any pandemic-related decision the World Health Organization makes would supersede national and state laws. Eventually, all health-related decisions could come under the World Health Organization's jurisdiction 
as the stated goals of the treaty include not only future pandemic response, but also a stronger framework for the health with the World Health Organization as the coordinating authority in global health matters more generally. Dr. Peter Bregan, address to the World Health Organization Executive Committee on January 24, 2022, said the spirit of communism can be felt throughout this document. Did you hear that? The spirit of communism can be felt throughout this document. The World Economic Forum's 2010 Global Redesign Report argues that the world is best managed by a self-selected coalition of stakeholders, multinational corporations, government, international bodies such as the UN and the World Health Organization, and select civil society organizations that then make decisions on behalf of the global population. So, if you look, you'll find that all the globalist agendas, regardless of what they're called, have this aim. They're all working in a lockstep to strip power from the people by making elected officials irrelevant. All the powers to be in the hands of a self of a self-selected, self-nominated elite. And if you believe they have any intention of doing what's best for the people, it's time to wake up because you're already dreaming. Supplies, soils, air, and water, even though it's destroyed our environment and resulted in unsafe medicines and toxic foods, and even though it led to starvation, disease, and death, these globalists have lied and cheated and used every underhanded, immoral, and unethical trick in the book. They've coerced, bribed, and manipulated at will. They've slowly but surely infiltrated every area of society with the intention of all treated to serve their own ends. Technology, which is the foundation upon which techno- technocracy rests, has allowed this self-selected group of megalomaniacs to thrive and build their power structure in the shadows. Only now are they starting to really show their true colors, their desire for absolute power and control. And as noted by an, a, a New American contributor, uh, Mitchell Shaw, he says, quote, if you're not paying for the product, then you are the product, close quote. In other words, you and your personal data are the products of Google, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. These platforms are selling your personal data for profit. That's the business they're in. Your data are also fed to artificial intelligence and algorithms. They're created to profile and manipulate you. Everything you say and do is being used against you. The end goal of these megalomaniacs is always the same. To make money off you even if it harms or kills you. And to manipulate you into accepting their proposition to rule over you. This all ends when enough people wake up to what they're doing and refuse to go along with their programs. All of this to me, again, it looks like the system of the Antichrist. <clears throat> the, uh, the goal of the Antichrist is to get us to worship Satan. And in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 675, <clears throat> the Catechism warns us that there will be a time when the Antichrist comes that there will be a false religion. It will be it will be a new age syncretism with the worship of Satan. And I think that's where it's going. Most people will fall into it. Wherever we have a cloud of ambiguity and vagueness, we have the work of the Antichrist working upon man. Fulton Sheen said this in 1948, Satan will set up a counter church. It will be the ape of the church. It will have all the notes and characteristics of the church, but in reverse and emptied of its divine content. 
The false prophet will have a religion without a cross, a religion without a world to come, a religion to destroy religions. There will be a counterfeit church, Fulton Sheen writes in 1948. He says, Christ's church will be one, and the false prophet will create the other. The false church will be worldly, ecumenical, and global. It will be a loose federation of churches and religions forming some type of global association, a world parliament of churches. It will be emptied of all divine content. It will be the mystical body of the Antichrist. The mystical body on earth today will have its Judas Iscariot, and he will be the false prophet. Satan will recruit him from our bishops. Fulton Sheen wrote this in his book, Communism and the Conscience of the West, page 22 to 25. Just a warning. The Catechism warns us or explains to us in paragraph 675 that there will be, quote, a supreme religious deception before the second coming of Christ. And that supreme form of this deception is that of the Antichrist, who will bring a pseudo-messianism by which man glorifies himself in the place of God and of his Messiah come in the flesh. By the way, I believe that that system is called communism, and it's here. That deception, or this deception, has precursors in our own time. We've had the precursor of movements such as Nazism and communism. Yep, the deception of the Antichrist will fool even the elect if Christ does not return soon. We'll be right back. Terry and Jesse Show. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Be part of the UFC Ultimate Faithful Catholics. Uh, I'm on my way over after the show to fly to Northern California to speak at St. Mary's Catholic Church tomorrow, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. at an Into the Breach Men's Conference, along with Doug Berry, John Sablon. It's in Oakdale, California, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. if you're anywhere near that parish. And if you want to, uh, if you want to be, set, as St. Catherine of Siena said, set your heart ablaze with fire... Uh, I invite you to attend the conference. You can go to world, worldablaze.org, worldablaze.org to sign up for the conference. One of the, one of the physical articles that has fascinated me for decades is the Shroud of Turin. I believe many people believe this is evidence of Jesus' resurrection. The Shroud of Turin is a burial cloth, a burial shroud, a linen cloth, measuring 14 feet 3 inches in length by 3 feet 7 inches in width. Nobody doubts that this covered a man who suffered the wounds of crucifixion in a way very similar to that recorded for Jesus of Nazareth. And the cloth has a certifiable history from 1349 to the present moment, and it has a, a, you know, a, a more sketchy, traceable history from 1349 all the way back to Jerusalem. It's, but after 1349, it's very concrete, it's very cut and dry. The Shroud of Turin has undergone considerably more scientific testing than any other, uh, any other relic in human history. The 1978 Shroud of Turin Research Project investigation and subsequent investigations were remarkably thorough, and with the exception of the questionable 1988 carbon dating, all the evidence points to it being the burial cloth of Jesus, including the following. Uh, you, can, uh, you can see that number one, it has four contemporary dating tests. It has, number two, 
three kinds of extrinsic dating evidence. Number three, uh, the blood stains on the shroud tell a story very similar to the highly unusual crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth that were imprinted on the shroud before the image was made. Uh, it, it, again, it, it's, that's the opposite of what would, would need to be done by a forger. Also, number four, the formation of the, of the image on the shroud. The image was not formed by dyes or chemicals or vapors or scorching. The only equivalent or the only known explanation of the formation is an intense burst of vacuum ultra radi- ultraviolet radiation equivalent to the output of 14,000 excimer lasers emitted from every 3D, every three-dimensional point of the body in the shroud. Uh, this has never been seen before in human history. Okay, This is scientific talk, but something like this has never been seen before. So the combination of the above evidence is exceedingly difficult to explain in any way other than the burial cloth is that of Jesus of Nazareth. The formation of the image of the shroud happened by an intense outburst of vacuum ultraviolet radiation. This is suggestive of a resurrection event similar to that described in the four Gospels. And the, uh, the scientific evidence requires that a new carbon dating test be done, which observes the standard protocols for sampling. When these protocols are observed, it would be surprising if the result was not similar to the results of the four new dating methods mentioned that I just mentioned. Uh, and the shroud is said to be from about approximately AD 50, according to the new carbon dating testing system being used. So if this result is obtained, it would indicate that the Shroud of Turin is very likely the burial shroud of Jesus Christ, which suggests evidence of his resurrection through the, a very powerful light. So while we currently do not have a definitive explanation for how this unique and mysterious image was created from the body of a deceased man, the most plausible current hypothesis comes from a combination of two teams of researchers. Dr. John Jackson's team studied the shroud and proposed the vacuum ultraviolet radiation hypotheses back in 2008. According to Dr. Jackson, an intense burst of vacuum ultraviolet radiation produced a discoloration on the uppermost surface of the shroud's fibers without scorching it which gave rise to a perfect three-dimensional negative image of both the frontal and the dorsal parts of the body wrapped inside. Currently, we know of no natural explanation for the seemingly unique occurrence of such a burst of vacuum ultraviolet radiation from either a decomposing body or the geological atmospheric conditions within a tomb. Though this is suggestive of, po- of a possible supernatural origin of the radiation, perhaps as part of Jesus' resurrection, we cannot prove this scientifically because we cannot construct a scientific test for a supernatural cause. All we can do is eliminate every known natural cause of this seemingly unique radiation. The uniqueness and current inexplicability of this phenomenon gives us reason to believe that God has given us evidence of Jesus' resurrection. And this belief can be strengthened by further understanding understanding of the light phenomenon that seems to be the source of the image as well 
as the continued elimination of natural causes for it. So again, the most convincing seems to be the hypothesis of Dr. Jackson. The research of the 1978 Shroud of Turin Research Project investigation, as well as the subsequent research of Dr. Jackson, Dr. Fonti, and Dr. Paoli de Lazaro and their teams, Dr. Jackson's research also suggests that the body inside the shroud became mechanically transparent and emitted light evenly from every three-dimensional point within it. This allowed the frontal part of the, of the shroud to collapse, creating an image of both the inside and the outside of the hands, as well as a double image on the frontal part of the shroud. Currently, the known laws of physics cannot explain how a decomposing body can emit an intense burst of vacuum ultraviolet radiation. In fact, it's impossible. Furthermore, science can't explain how such a body could become mechanically transparent and emit light from every three-dimensional point within it. So where does that leave us? If Dr. Jackson's explanation continues to be the only one to explain away the enigmas, and if future articulations of the laws of physics cannot explain how a decomposing body could become mechanically transparent and evenly emit vacuum ultraviolet radiation from, e from every three-dimensional point within it, then we are left at the brink of a transphysical or metaphysical explanation. Under these conditions, it would be both reasonable and responsible to believe that a transphysical cause interacted with the decomposing body to transform it into an intense burst of light. So, does this transphysical explanation of the Shroud's image point to the resurrection of Jesus? Well, Jesus' resurrection was not a resuscitation of a material corpse, but rather a transforming event which gave rise to what St. Paul called a spiritual body, a body transformed in glory, spirit, and power. Could this transformation of a material body into a burst of intense light signify a beginning point of the transformation of Jesus' body from a physical one to a spiritual glorified one. Though there can be no scientific proof of this, it is reasonable inference from the parallels between the explanation of the Shroud's enigmatic image and the testimony of St. Paul and the Gospel writers. In this sense, we might say that the image of the Shroud presents a clue, even a relic of Jesus' resurrection. So, why should we think the body in the shroud was that of Jesus? Well, as I explained, it's exceedingly improbable that the shroud is a medieval forgery. First, there are no paints, dyes, or other pigments on the shroud. Second, the anatomical precision of the bloodstains, which are real human blood that congealed on the shroud before the formation of the image, are in precise anatomical correlation to the image itself. How could a medieval forger have accomplished this? Impossible. And third, it is exceedingly difficult to explain how pollen grains indigenous to Palestine appeared in abundance on a shroud of probable Semitic origin if it originated in medieval Europe and how coins minted in AD 29 in Palestine appeared on the eyes of the man of the shroud. How could a medieval forger have duplicated these first century Palestinian characteristics of the shroud? And four, the five enigmas of the image on the shroud almost certainly preclude a forgery. How could a medieval forger have used vacuum ultraviolet radiation to discolor the cloth on the uppermost surface of the fibrils? 
How could he have created a perfect photographic negative image in the Middle Ages? How could he have created a double image on the frontal part of the shroud? And how could he have known how to duplicate the interior and exterior of the hands in perfect proportion to each other? Thus, it does not seem probable or responsible to believe that the shroud is a medieval forgery. And the three last points. Beyond this, there are three provative evidence specifically pointing to Jesus' place and time of origin and to his unique crucifixion and resurrection. The material of the shroud, the pollen grains on it, and the coins in the man's eyes all have their origin in first century Palestine, the place where Jesus was reported to have died. The blood stains come from a crucifixion event identical to the one described in the Gospels, which was very unusual, if not unique in many aspects, such as being crowned with thorns, being flogged, and being pierced with a Roman spear. And... Again, the odds of the first century Palestinian burial shroud with the unique features of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection being that of anybody else is exceedingly remote. Inasmuch as the image is not a forgery and that it originated from a real person living at the time of Jesus, crucified in the way Jesus was and producing a burst of intense vacuum ultraviolet radiation from his decomposing body, who else could it be? Given all this weight of evidence... I can infer that the shroud is the burial cloth of Jesus, which contains not only a relic of his crucifixion, but also his resurrection in glory. If so, it shows both the truth of the most significant event in human history, as well as the accuracy of the gospel's accounts of Jesus' death and resurrection. That's a wrap. My name is Jesse Romero. This is the Terry and Jesse Show. Off to Northern California to the Men's Conference with Doug Barry and John Sablon. Hope to see you there. Uh, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. tomorrow, St. Mary's Catholic Church in Oakdale, California. As, uh, as for the Terry and Jesse show, that's a wrap. Viva Cristo Rey. Long live Christ the King. Christ reigns. Christ conquers. Christ is victorious. Never forget that. And never forget that when you know Jesus, death is a positive option. Up next, stay tuned for more VMPR radio programming. Programs that will build you up, equip you for the work of the ministry, and are faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray a rosary. What do we, what do we have next, Rich? Bible with the Barbers. Don't miss it. Bible with the Barbers. Take out your Bible. Follow along. High-level Catholic theology up next. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Keep the faith.